Good morning, Westside. How are we doing today? We're good. Hey, I don't know if you know this or not, but there's a game happening right now. Um, And so here's my promise to you. I will not tell you the score as long as you talk to me while I'm preaching today, okay? So the score is... Thank you. I don't want to hear it. Don't tell me the score. Um, I'm just joking. I'm so glad that you're here. So I've got a question for everyone joining us at our Lenexa campus, our Speedway campus, and online. Uh, How many of you have ever had a family game night? Just show your hand real quick. Have you had a family game night before? Okay, awesome. If your hand is raised, then you understand that there's certain games that you love and there's games that you hate. Like when I was younger, I loved playing card games like Uno and Spades. And I was talking to some people recently about Spades and they were looking at me like I was crazy and I'm like, hey listen, I'll go blind nil on someone the entire game in order to win anyone. Yeah, come on, risk takers out there. All right, let's go. Um, And so I love playing card games. But then there's games that I hate. Games like Monopoly, all right? Like anyone else hate Monopoly? All right, hey, better, better question real quick. Is there anyone that is here with us today, uh, just show of hands, that actually likes Monopoly? Just raise your hand where you're at. Okay, keep your hands raised up because I'm gonna say something to you that everyone else is thinking right now. You're a cheater. (laughs) Because no one likes playing Monopoly. It is the game that never ends. In fact, I think the founder is still playing the game Monopoly right now. It's still going on. Uh, He's even using the little iron to iron his clothes this morning from what I hear. Um, But I hate Monopoly. But there is one game I hate more than Monopoly. It's the game Jenga. And the reason why I don't like Jenga is because I like to win and I like taking risks. And so it was like my family's goal, anytime that we played Jenga, to just wait. Because they knew that at some point I was going to mess up the game, and then they could make fun of me, and then we would have an argument, and then family game night would be ruined, and I would go to my room, and like all these things. I'm sorry, I don't mean to bring you into my family's dirty laundry this morning, but it gets a little bit competitive in the lane house. So I hate the game Jenga. But you know what's interesting? Our lives are a lot like the game Jenga. We're faced on the daily with decisions and choices that we can make. And sometimes we make choices, and those choices are wise choices, and and our lives, are we live a life of integrity. But then there's moments where we compromise our integrity. And at first, we make that one decision, and it doesn't really affect us. But eventually, one compromise leads to another compromise before too long. I know that was really aggressive this morning. But our lives sometimes look like this. Now, I know what you're thinking. What in the world does this have to do with generosity? Well, the Apostle Paul, he answers this question um, in his letter to the church of Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 16, when he says, but thanks be to God who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you, For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he is going to you of his own accord. With him we are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. And not only that, but he has been appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace that is being ministered by us. 
for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our goodwill. For we take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that is being administered by us. For we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. Now, Paul understood that they had been entrusted with a mission by God. And Paul also knew that people were gonna continually be looking at how they were administering the gift, what they were doing with the mission that God, and they were looking for a way to discredit Paul and his mission that God had him. So to Paul, the thing that mattered more than anything else in the world was his integrity. And this is why he says, it's our goal, it's our aim, this is what we're striving for, to do what is honorable or right in the eyes of God and the eyes of man. And in the same way, we need to understand that God has given us as a church a mission. And the mission that God has given us is to, is to meet people in their point of pain. The mission that God has given us is to live sacrificially so that we could reach the lost, last, and least of these. The mission that God has given us is for us to be generous with our money so that we can build a family care center, so that we can help people who are hurting mentally, physically, emotionally, whether it's a parent, whether it's a kid, whether it's a student. This is the mission that God has for us. So the thing that we need to understand today is simply this, is that the mission and the method mean nothing if we lack integrity. Why? Because integrity is the key to generosity. And the reason why integrity is the key to generosity is because integrity is actually the foundation of generosity. So here's the question. What is integrity? Well, integrity isn't being perfect because no one's perfect, right? Integrity doesn't mean that we'll never mess up or that we'll never make a mistake because if that was the standard for us living a life of integrity, then there's not a single person who could say, hey, I live with integrity. So my point is this, integrity isn't about perfection, it's about affection. Let me say that again because if you're like me, you're a perfectionist. And that simply means that you've probably made a decision or a choice in your past that you think disqualifies you from living a life of integrity. But your past mistakes, your present mistakes, your future mistakes, they don't disqualify you from living with integrity. They actually qualify you to look to the one who through his death, burial, and resurrection enable and empower you to live with integrity. So integrity isn't about perfection, it's about affection. We live with integrity when we center our entire lives around Jesus. And that's important because for many of us, what we love to do is we love to compartmentalize our lives. Well, let me show you what I mean by going to my Debo board this morning. Because I'm constantly asking myself this question when I get to preach on a Sunday morning. W-W-D-D, what would Diebel do? And what Diebel would do right now is draw you something. So I'm gonna draw you something. He's a better drawler than I am, so like if you're expecting Picasso, sorry. Actually, it probably would look like Picasso, messed up, all right? Um, so sometimes we live our life compartmentalized. And, and what we do is we have our professional life, we have our family life. We now live in a world, unfortunately, where we have to have an online life. We have a, a spiritual life. We have even a financial life. And 
we probably don't need to talk about this, but we have a private life, right? And what we do is when we live this type of life, what we do is we, we begin to separate our, our lives into different pieces. And so what we'll do is we'll say, okay, hey, this is my professional life, this is my work life, and I'm not going to intermingle my professional life and my spiritual life because, A, I don't want all my coworkers to know that I have a relationship with Jesus. And on top of that, even if they figured out that I had a relationship with Jesus, I really don't want them to feel like I'm pushing my spiritual beliefs onto anyone else. And so we separate those two. And then we have our family life and our own life, and those have to be separate, right? Because we need everyone to think that our trip to Disney was perfect. And that my four-year-old and my six-year-old, they're smiling because they actually want to be there. And so we, we have this persona that our online life, because our family life is perfect, even though behind closed doors, our family is everything but perfect. Oh, and, and like I mentioned earlier, we're not talking about our financial life and our private life with anyone. Because what I do when no one else is looking and how I spend my money is no one's business. So we do that. And, and when we live this type of life, what ends up happening is, is we seek to take control of everything. And in other words, what we do is, is we, we take all of these gifts which God has given us and we simply just do this right here. And we cling to them and we hold on to them. And we try to take control. And we try to tell people, oh, hey, don't talk to me about my finances. Don't talk to me about my family. Don't talk about my, I'm in control of all those things. You're not. And the problem with living this way is, is that living this way is exhausting. Because when we try to control everything in our lives, we're constantly looking over our shoulders in fear, wondering what would happen if our people at our work found out who I really was, how they would react, how they would respond to us if my family actually found out what I did in private. And the reason why this is exhausting is simply because we constantly feel like we have to perform for other people. But the biggest problem with living a life this way is that God wants so much more for our lives. The life that God wants us to live is a life of integrity. And integrity looks something like this. Integrity doesn't negate the fact that we have different things that are happening in our life. It just empties ourselves of everything that we have in our life because the only thing we need is Jesus. And when we live this way, what ends up happening is that this way leads to a, a life of peace, a life of contentment, and it leads to a life of generosity because we realize that every good and perfect gift has come from Jesus. So when I look at what Jesus has done for me and what Jesus has blessed me with, it doesn't matter if he, he gives me something or he takes something away. I got Jesus and that's all I need. And when we live this way, we live a life of integrity. So here's the question I have for you. How are you living your life really? And I say really because I know it's easy for us to show up and be here and for us to kind of put on that persona like we're perfect and we got it all together, but how are you really living your life? Like for some of us, we could honestly say this and I, I would believe you. I'm living my life with Jesus at the center and everything I'm doing as, as I'm trying to seek to glorify him in everything that I do. We're, we're living this way. And if this is where you are, again, listen, I'm not trying to convince you that you need to go over here because it's just not the point. The point is, like, this is the way you're living your life. 
So if this is you, here's, here's my challenge for you, is to continue to stir up the things that stir up your affections for Jesus. Continue to find yourself living in the good news of the gospel. We never get past a moment or a place or a space where we don't need to be reminded of what Christ did for us on the cross. This will stir up our affections because I need us to understand that living this way isn't a one-time decision. It's a daily decision, which means I can live my life like this today and then tomorrow I can live my life this way. So if we're living this way, I'm gonna challenge us to daily say, God, I wanna live with you at the center of my life. I wanna daily try to glorify you at my work and at my home and, and when I do the dishes and when I change the diapers and everything that I'm doing, I wanna bring you glory and honor. That's what it looks like to live this way. And there's some of us who are living this way. But then there's some of us, if we're just really honest this morning, because I hope and pray that church is one of the places that we can be honest at, is that we're living this way. And if that's you, I want you to know there's no shame this morning. We're not here to judge or to look down on you. I want you to know that God is just waiting on you. And he loves you. And he's just still inviting and calling you to live this life right here. And no, I'm not talking about salvation because you can be completely saved and live your life this way. But God didn't save us so that we would continue to live a compartmentalized life. God saved us so that we would live our life with him at the center of everything we do and we would seek to glorify him. So if you're living this life, again, God's just is, is inviting you, hey, come do things my way. Stop trying to take control, release control. And if you're living this way, you're probably wondering right now, okay, I want this because I just firmly believe this about every single one of us. We were created to live this way. So whether we have a relationship with Jesus, whether we don't have a relationship with Jesus, we wanna live this way. But we're thinking like, how do I go from living this way to living this way? And to help answer this question, I want you guys to watch this video this morning. I think our history um, in the way of generosity or tithing in the church is that when we first started attending Westside, we were pretty young. We weren't even really believers. We were stepping into the church, not really knowing what we were getting into. So we didn't give anything. And for me, growing up in a Lutheran church, it was a legalistic thing to, to put money in the offering plate as it passed. And I walked away from my faith, so I didn't want to have anything to do with that. So. We didn't give anything for a long, long time. Right. And as we kind of grew in our faith and were baptized at Westside, we actually started taking steps um, to giving more. When we first started giving, we decided to start giving regularly. And it didn't hurt because it was regular, but it was minimal. So at first, it was not painful at all. Um, when Jason lost his job, I wanted to reel all of that giving that we were giving to Westside back in because it allowed me to feel secure. And I remember Jason saying, we will be just fine. God will provide for us. And <laughs> we saw really amazing things that year, more than six months. Yep, we did, yeah. Just money in the mailbox and people dropping off whatever. And uh, we made it through. We yeah. did. Yeah. And God gave you an amazing time with a daughter that yeah. um, 
you lost out on because we had sent you back to school years earlier. Right, I did. I didn't get to spend time with McKenna when I was in school, but then, yeah, that whole six months was her kindergarten year, and I got to spend quality time with her. So it was actually a blessing that I was off that six months. But I think that was, for me especially, that was the first time that I had really seen God show up and provide. I think Jason just has always naturally had a gift of faith, especially in God, and I've always questioned. Um, so it was, it was probably one of the greatest um, steps in my journey and to hold strong that we were not gonna stop giving even in a really tough, tough season. And God, God provided a lot and a lot of growth. <laughs> I actually worked for Westside for 11 years as um, the women's ministry director and on the Next Steps team. And unexpectedly, God called me out um, to be um, an event planner for a, a nonprofit ministry that has a huge heart for biblical generosity. So I worked for them for three years as their event manager sitting and listening to story after story of some of these individuals who organized their entire life to give truly for God. I was completely impacted by that. And then God started putting something on my heart to have conversation with Westside and he drew me back to Westside and I'm like, I don't get this. And he calls me back and I find it only God to put me in a spot that could be part of my, one of my, my weaknesses and the fact that I've been called back to help roll out our Unshakable Generosity Initiative as their generosity coordinator. But I also have seen that I've taken, and I'm speaking for me, but Jason's always encouraged me through this, um, just to have faith in God and to take those audacious steps and that God will provide and God will bless. And so I'm just, I'm very blessed to be on this team again. He's done amazing things. <laughs> so when Unshakable started last October, November-ish, you were doing all your events and we were thinking of a number. And I think we did the old, you pray on it and I'll pray on it and we'll come back. And everybody always goes, it was the same number. No, it wasn't. It was not the same number. It was a different number. So I think the key is you just have to have a conversation. I mean. Pray about it, obviously, but then come back and then, and then, and just who, have conversations. Who had the lower number? <laughs> so going into this year, one year in, we decided to uh, pray about it. Pray again. about it again and come back and and decide what we're going to do. And we decided to up it up it again. We had both been praying about it. I said, I really feel like he's calling us to the next step. We had this conversation. We decided on what we were going to do. And then he was sitting on the stairs, putting on his shoes for work. And I'm like, are you good with this? And he goes, are you good with this? Because last night you were questioning whether we could afford what was on the, if we could pay all the bills. And I said, I'm good with this. I feel like God is really calling us. I think for me, it's a matter of, <clears throat> while we may have to trim some things in our life, are we living a sacrificial life? We may have to cut things off and trim things down to right. be able to accomplish what we're doing. But I think God's calling us to the next step of sacrificial life. For so many years, I lived um, thinking that just serving was my gift to God. But 
there was a portion of my um, spiritual growth that was very weak and that was in that financial uh, giving area. And so for me, that was living a life of integrity in all spaces and um, really just not always saying just because I give of my time doesn't mean God's not calling me to give of my finances and to trust him with it, the provision that he's given us. Can we give it up for Jason and Shelly for sharing their story with us? I love their story for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons why I love their story is that their story is a story of surrender. And what I love is that they mention in here so many different times about how their surrender wasn't easy. And you need to understand that surrender isn't easy but it's necessary if you wanna live the life that God wants you to live. It's necessary if we want to live our lives with integrity. It's necessary if we wanna live with Jesus Christ at the center of our lives. Surrender matters. But this week I was talking to Shelly and we were talking about the, the video that was gonna be shown today and uh, she said it again. She said, it wasn't easy. And it's still not easy. But my guess is that even though it wasn't easy and it's still not easy, it's worth it because they're living a life in response to what Christ has done and they're choosing to live this way instead of live this way. So have you offered your entire life in response to what Christ did for you back to him without restrictions? Have you offered it all back to him? Jesus paid it all. We sing the song, Jesus paid it all. So all to him, I owe. Does he have all of you? Does he have all of your life? Because the point of the unshakable journey that we're on isn't that God needs something from us. It's that he wants something for us. And what he wants for us is to live a life of peace and contentment where he's at the center of our lives. So this is why I love the Unshakable Initiative, this journey that we're on all together, because it literally is all about us looking at what Christ has done and saying, because of what he has done, I'm going to offer every bit of my life, and I'm going to begin to steward, God, the things that you've blessed me with, and I'm going to live out for your glory and your renown. So I don't care about if people know that I'm a Christian or not at work. They're going to know because I love you, and I'm going to be the same at work as I'm at home, and I'm online, and I'm going to live this life that's fully surrendered to you. This is the life that God intends for us to live, but we have to surrender because we can either have control or we can have surrender and our hopes is that we would begin to surrender our lives back fully to him so this week I'm going to challenge us to do something I'm going to challenge you to sit down and ask God this question what step of surrender are you asking me to take What step of surrender are you asking me to take? And then I want you just to pause and listen. Because oftentimes we miss out on what God wants for us or maybe the step that he wants for us to take because we just don't stop enough to hear him speak to us. Our God has continually speaking. He speaks in his word. He speaks through other people. He does speak through the small whispers. And sometimes we just don't hear what he wants for our lives because we're not stopping and we're not trying to tune into his whispers. So God, what step of surrender are you asking me to take? And the reason why I want us to do this is because in two weeks from today, 
we have our Commitment Sunday. And it's gonna be an amazing Sunday because we're going to show up together and we're all going to take a step of surrender. And, and this is for everyone on this part of it. We're gonna take a step of surrender, uh, surrender by taking a step of faith. And the reason why we're gonna take a, a step of surrender by taking a step of faith is because the most important step in our faith journey that we could take is not the step that we took last year or yesterday. The most important step of surrender that we could take is the one that God is calling to us to do right now. And so we're gonna commit. And some of us, we're gonna write on this card, God is asking me to step out in faith and do this. Maybe it's simply that you're going to actually begin to serve, uh, maybe in the church, maybe outside the church. Maybe it's that you're gonna begin to live on mission at your work or in your home. Maybe, just maybe, you're gonna go get certified because you need to be a part of our family care center. Maybe, just maybe, you don't even know this, but God has a better job in store for you and he's just waiting for you to kind of go put your two weeks notice in uh, and just say, okay, God, I'm trusting you. But whatever the step of faith is, I'm gonna encourage you to take that step of faith. But then there's some of us, we're gonna take a step that's a little bit different and we're gonna take a step of generosity. And our step of generosity can mean one, one of three things. The first thing it could simply mean is that for some of us, we needed to stop thinking that we own our money or that we earned it. No, you got a job because God blessed you with a job. Your job is borrowed by the man who created the job that you have. And so he has blessed you with that job and you have an income because you have borrowed money from the one who is the ultimate treasurer and he don't run out of money. And so what we need to do is we need to kind of maybe just begin to say, okay, God, I'm gonna actually stop trying to control my money and I'm gonna start releasing it and I'm gonna surrender it to you. And there's some of us, we just need to do that for the very first time. And I know it's gonna be hard. I know it's not gonna be easy, but I promise you it's gonna be worth it. But then there's some of us, we don't need to begin to tithe. We actually need to uh, do what Shelly and Jason did and say, okay, God, like, are you asking me to up it? And the reason why is simply this, is maybe this year's been the best year for you in your business. Maybe you're coming in money in like constantly and God's saying, hey, listen, you made that step and I'm actually blessing you back, so why don't you give more? Maybe you're, you're not called to live on the 90%. Maybe God's calling you to live on 70% and, get, and trust him with the 30%. I don't know what it is, and I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying, like, this is what it could be. But for some of us, we may need to increase the gift that we're giving, not to us, but through us. Not to this unshakable initiative, but through the unshakable initiative, which is what I love. But then, for some of us, the greatest step of surrender you could take is to finish and be faithful to what God has called you to. And I get that it's hard. It's never promised to be easy. But maybe you just need to say, I'm gonna commit to finishing what God placed on my heart last year. So no matter what that step is, I'm gonna, I'm gonna challenge us to, to ask God the question, to, to listen to what he has to say, and then I want us to act and do what he says. And the reason why I want us to do this is simply because our surrender matters. Our surrender matters because when we surrender everything back to God, what ends up happening is he takes our surrender and he multiplies the mission that he's given us and we live out the mission that he's called us to do and we do it with integrity. And we need to remember that he's calling us to do this with integrity. But we also need to take a step of surrender because last year there were many of us, we committed to something. And when we committed, we got a block that kind of looked like this Jenga block. 
And we wrote a name on, on the Jenga block because we're saying, hey, listen, uh, this, this is why I'm, I'm a part of this initiative. This is why I'm doing what God is calling me to do. It's because of them. And what I loved is that we took those names and we took the, the different pieces and we actually created a cross. And a few weeks ago, we went out to where our family care center is gonna be and we dedicated the grounds and we took the cross with all of the names on it. And I remember I'm just sitting here praying and as I, I'm praying, I, I start looking at all these, these names that are on the cross. So you wanna know why our surrender matters? Why this next step of surrender matters? It's because the names on the cross matter. It's because we're saying, hey, there's people's names that are there that don't know Jesus and I need to just step into it and I need to take that step because God, you're going to reach them this year. Or maybe you put someone's name up there that's hurting mentally and you're saying they matter. So our step of surrender matters because there's names and those people that are on the cross matter to Jesus. In fact, maybe you're here today not because you're like, man, I just I, I showed up or maybe they invited me. Maybe the reason why you're here today is because your name is on that cross. And maybe you don't realize this, but there's someone that's been praying for you and there's been people that, that are in this and we're saying, hey, we, we just wanna see you to come to know Jesus. And so you thought, man, I'm just showing up to be random. I'm just showing up because I, I wanted to tell my mom happy birthday and one of the ways I can do this is by showing up and going to church with her but your name's on that cross because you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You see, our lives are a lot like the game Jenga. Sometimes our lives, we're faced with these decisions and these choices, and, and, and I don't know about you, but let me speak for myself for just a second. I, this is what my life once looked like because I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. It was destroyed, it was demolished, it was de deconstructed. And maybe you're here today and this is what your life feels like right now. Maybe you're here today and, and, and you have a relationship with Jesus and, and you're making some choices behind closed doors and, 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 and you're like, man, I, I don't know why I'm doing this or I don't know why I'm handling my money this way and, and your life just feels destroyed and you have a relationship with Jesus. And the thing I want you to know is, is that, listen, he who began a good work in you will see it to completion, which means that you can't mess up the Jenga blocks enough for God not to begin to pick those up and put them back together. This is the savior that we serve but then there's some of us, listen, our, our lives look like this messed up, not because we intended it to, but because we're doing things our own way, we're living our life the own way, we're choosing to do the things of this world. We don't have a relationship with Jesus. And for some of us, we need to realize today that Jesus Christ, he came to this earth, he died on a cross, he was buried, and three days later, he came back to life so that when we put our faith and trust in him, he comes in as our cornerstone. You wanna know how to put something back together? You have to have the cornerstone. And he begins to build your life into something. Not to the way it was, but he begins to build something new, and he begins to do it piece by piece by piece but you have to do something. The only thing you have to do is to believe in him. 
and his gift and receive the thing that he has for us. And you can see that God will begin to restore, not something that's, that is a better version of yourself, but something that's brand new. So maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. I wanna give you that opportunity because I don't wanna move on past a moment where some of our lives look like this because of this thing called sin because we've missed the mark. I want us to be able to leave here changed. I want us to begin to leave here and see, oh my goodness, God is beginning to create something new. And so I wanna give some of us that opportunity. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? Whether you're at Lenexa or Speedway, I'm gonna say a prayer and I'm just, I'm just gonna ask you to pray this prayer in your heart. And then what's so amazing about this prayer is that this prayer is just a confirmation of what God's already doing. And so just repeat this after me. Dear Jesus, my life looks a little messy right now. I've chosen to do things my own way and because of that, my life looks a little bit deconstructed today. But please, Jesus, I ask you to come and I ask you to be the cornerstone of my life. And because you're the cornerstone, now I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. So come now and give me new life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm just curious today whether you're at our next campus, our Speedway campus, or online. If you're online, just type in, I gave my life to Jesus today, and we'll follow up with you. But if you're here today and for the very first time you gave your life to Jesus, would you just raise your hand where you're at? I gave my life to Jesus. If you have your hand raised, would you just look up here at me for a second? See ya. There's no greater choice that you can make than to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you'll catch someone after the service in one of our red, we'd love to help follow up with you. God, we're so thankful. We're so thankful, God, that you're still in the business of showing up in lives. You're still in the business of building our lives into something new. We're so thankful, God, that of who you are. It's so a Holy Spirit in response to what he has done. I'm just asking you right now to change the atmosphere in this place. I'm asking you, Lord, to just begin to allow us just for a moment, let our minds be captivated by your sacrifice for us so that we can respond in the right way with you by offering ourselves back to you. Your word says, therefore, in view of God's mercies, Offer your bodies back to him as a living sacrifice. This is your spiritual act of worship. God, may we, in these next few moments, worship you in spirit and truth. May we sit at your feet. May we know you a little bit more. And may you come and change us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand up and worship with us this morning?